0: Welcome to the Your Purpose is Calling podcast, conversations with Christians who are finding purpose, redefining work, and changing their world. I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. My guest is Leah Archibald. Leah works at the Theology of Work Project, an organization that provides resources to help Christians connect the Bible to their everyday work. She is also the co-host of the Making It Work podcast. Now, That's a pretty unexpected career path for somebody who originally thought that she would become a Jewish lawyer. In this episode, Leah shares her own fascinating journey of faith and work, as well as practical ways we can all live out biblical truths in our work every day. You can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Leah online at donsadler.com slash 040. Now, before we meet Leah, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our free daily planning tool, The Peak Page. The Peak Page includes five different high-performance productivity tools on a single page to help you get more time energy, and results in your day. Download your own free copy at dawnsadler.com slash peak. And now let's meet Leah. Hi, Leah. Welcome to the show. Hi, Don. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you are doing some really exciting work that I know every single one of our listeners is anxious to hear more about because we are so aligned um, just in -hmm. in our work and what we're doing, and you've got such an exciting and interesting perspective on it, Um, so it is really my thrill to have you here with me today, but for anyone who does not yet know you, Take a moment and share with us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So, my name is Leah
1: Archibald. I work for the Theology of Work project, which is kind of which is a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but what we do is um, we provide resources that help Christians connect the Bible to the work that they do every day. Um, so I write uh, you, devotional reading plans, Bible reading plans that you can get on your phone through Version, and articles that you can get on our website theologyofwork.org and things that, you know, practical tools that help Christians connect the Bible, the depth of wisdom In scripture, to the work that they do when they go into the workplace, you know, particularly for people who are not working as ministers or working for churches, but who are on the front lines, you know, of work in the marketplace, who are really leaders going into their fields in, you know, finance or, you know, construction or wherever you're going every day, you know, there's something that God has for you, a real purpose that God has for you in your work. So, what I do in my work, is I write resources that help people bring the Bible perspective onto their daily work. And uh, I also host a podcast called the Making It Work podcast, where we have conversations with Christians who are in the marketplace who are doing this front lines work and thinking about hard questions of their faith. How do they bring their faith to their work. So I I am very privileged to be at the intersection of hearing a lot of different stories of uh, other Christians bringing God into their work and seeing how God works there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of, um, story, you have got a doozy in your own walk to how you got here. And I do. God bless me. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about some testimonies that you've heard and some practical tools later. But I, I'm so excited for you to share your story with our listeners. So tell us a little bit about how you sure. got here. So I was
1: never supposed to be a Christian writer. That was not my goal for my my work. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I was supposed to be a Jewish lawyer. I really was. Um, <laughs> I was I was raised in a Jewish household, and um, and the depth of that religion just had a lot of beauty and depth for me. But I always felt this lingering anxiety in my spirit. You know, and I I think it was just me. It was just a lack of connection that I had with God. I you know I always felt this God judging me? Am I doing something mm-hmm. wrong? You know, I, I never felt like I could get it right. Mm. Um, you know, until I was in my twenties and I started reading this book that I had never read before. It's called The New Testament. You know, I had never read <laughs> the stories of Jesus. I re I really hadn't been exposed to that. You know, and um but i was i was spiritually searching you know i was i was kind of bereft of direction in my life and um the man that i was dating who would later become my husband you said i you know i really get direction and calling in my life through my relationship with jesus and i was like that's lame like what <laughs> is that even about, you know, but, um, but for him, it was really true, you know, and because I was so curious about where he got his piece from, you know, I went down to Barnes and Noble and invested something like $7, you know, in a, in a little pink um, Bible. Um, and I opened it up and I started reading these stories about Jesus. And I said, They just blew me away. It's like, oh my goodness, are you serious? You know, if the claims that this guy uh, made are really true, it it, it changes everything. You know, it changes everything I believe about my life. This is what I was looking for, a sense of um, not only a sense that I was loved and forgiven, you know, and actually chosen personally by God, but then a sense that my life could have some purpose with that. Afterwards, so um, but I was not an easy win to the kingdom. You know, I prayed every single night. I really struggled with God. Do you really want me to believe in Jesus? Really, this Jesus that all the other these other people believe in? Um, really, me. You know, I'm I'm a go getter. <laughs> I just I just didn't think it was for me. And I prayed every night for a year. God, do you want me to believe in Jesus? Um, and then the, at the end of that year, you know, I had what people call a conversion experience. I felt the love of Jesus enter my heart, and it uh, it did change everything. It made me suddenly feel that I was forgiven and loved and chosen. You know, in a way that I didn't feel before. But then I had to. What's funny? So obviously, my life changed. But what was funny is I had to have the second conversion experience in regards to my work, right? So then I was a Christian, but I still had this idea for my life. I was going to be high powered in the business world. I ended up going to business school and I was working at a tech startup and I was a new Christian, you know, so I was really gung ho about going to church on Sunday, um, really into doing my Bible study on Wednesday night. But then the rest of the week I would go to work at my tech job and I really checked my faith at the door you know my um the the god that i believed in did not have anything to do with my 9 to 5 monday through friday and um and i really felt like i was just going into work to get a paycheck and the meat and potatoes of my life you know my faith my spiritual life happened you know after work and on the weekends and it really made you know made for this like bifurcated just uh experience of my life and a really unfulfilling experience of my work and here I was now that I look back at it I'm like oh man I had I had a great job I had so much influence there you know I was like on the front lines of the tech space and meeting people that I would never have encountered you know in my faith walk you know in other areas of my life but I was I was just totally disconnected I just wanted to get out of there you know and uh, and and get to the good stuff and uh, and then what happened for me is uh, I, you know, I was just so unhappy in my jobs. I took a bunch of years off to raise kids, and uh, when I come back, came back into the workforce. Um, I started working for this outfit called the Theology Work Project, you know, and um, because I had some online marketing experience, so I actually came in to start doing some w- web writing and some web management things, and I started to learn that actually, you know, this Bible that I had read that I thought was all about me. right? (laughs) The the Bible was all about God and me. Um, But the Bible that I had read actually had a lot to say about my work. So this is my second conversion experience that I had almost a decade after my first conversion experience. I learned that, oh my gosh, actually, if you learn how to see scripture a different way, the Bible really has a lot to say about our work. God actually is calling us to purpose. In the jobs that we have today, not the job that we you know might have five down the five years down the road, or the job you know we have to leave our current job to go into ministry. Um, no, God is actually calling us right where we are to a greater purpose in our job. So the, you know. God bless me. It's taking me a long time <laughs> to learn these lessons, and I wish I had known them sooner. You know, but hopefully, I can I can pass them on to to some listeners. I hope they won't go through you know such agony of um, just this void of working existence where God isn't present, because God really can be present in that.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that that got lost somewhere along the way, and I know that there's a lot of history and there's a lot of reasons for this, but the thing that got lost along the way um, is this thought that full-time vocational ministry is ministry, but that's mm-hmm. really where the saints are equipped for ministry. So that was Mm -hmm. never designed to be, you know, we're in ministry because we're in the church and everybody else is regular people. We were all designed to be in ministry. That's, Mm -hmm. um, uh, but somehow it got lost. And, and, and I think we are, I think we're just now finding our way back with, you know, places like theology of work and other people who are committed to this work to saying, no, actually, um, You are in ministry wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Do you think that's true? I absolutely think that's true, and I even think that Christians who are in the
1: marketplace have a much bigger reach and impact than a pastor. On, I mean, don't tell a pastor I said that, you know. But (laughs) but if you're a pastor and you get up in front of a church, you have everyone's undivided attention, you know, for thirty to sixty minutes on a Sunday, you know. um, But if you are a leader in the workplace, you know, you have everyone's undivided attention every single day when you have a sixty minute. Meaning, you know, when you're giving your PowerPoint. And it's not, um, and the message that you're delivering, you know, isn't exactly the same as a sermon on Sunday where you're explicitly. Talking about God. But if you go into the workplace and you do your work with excellence and you carry into your workplace the love of people and the desire to put other people's needs ahead of your own, the desire to serve others, the desire to do your work with excellence because God Himself is a worker and created the world good with excellence, like that is a message uh, that you can preach all the time, all the hours. That you're at work, which is uh, so many, so much greater than the uh, hour, number of hours you could reach people. You know, if you were in, you know, a, something we think of as traditional full time ministry.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so true. And we talk a lot on this um, podcast about how people who are in the marketplace reach people who would never come to church. Right? When mm. you are a pastor, people are. Willfully making the choice to come into church, um, but when you are when you understand your role as in ministry in the marketplace, you know we've interviewed um, a guy who is a, a movie producer and he's on movie sets and he meets all kinds of people who would never come to church, but he is the church to them on a movie set. You know, it's the same is true and for somebody in fashion or somebody. Um, uh, in the arts or whatever it is. And so it really is about, well, what does that look like? How do I practically work that out? And I think that one of the things that we can get backwards is we can think, okay, well um, let's, let's use the word calling. Cause I know that's a space that you and mm. I both spend a lot of time in that calling is all about me and calling is mm. all about what I'm going to get. And calling is all about, you know, how I'm going to be exalted or whatever the word is, Mm -hmm. um, when really it is the the authority that we take into the places we're called to, to pray over others, to believe for others, Mm -hmm. to shift the atmosphere for others. Do you think that's true? I absolutely do. You know, someone smarter than I said that calling is the
1: intersection of your greatest gifts with the world's greatest needs. Mm-hmm. You know, and um if my calling was only how I was gonna be a superstar and how God was mm-hmm. God was gonna, you know, like blow me up over social media, you know, that would um <laughs> it
0: would so true. It would
1: in the end, it would be a very unsatisfactory victory mm-hmm. for me because it would it would be a lonely victory. Yeah. It would leave out other people, you know and um, you know God equips the saints for the work among other people right um, so I, I really do believe that uh, you know even if my calling is to write things for the internet, for example, it's not just so I can enjoy my little time tapping out the computer. it's that so God through me can reach other people. You know, through their ears. It's a God works through person to person contact in all the spheres of work that we do. So I'm in absolute agreement that it's not a, it's not a me principle, it's a we principle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And even I think, I think that's absolutely true, but you mentioned typing away on the computer. I feel (laughs) like, I feel it's it's dual right because it is for other people which we talked about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry but there's also worship in the work so when you're typing away on the computer for example even though that's for someone else does that feel like worship does that feel like a connection with god does that feel like something more than just you know typing on a keyboard Oh it it sure does. And I you know, I think of um when God made the first person
1: and put him in the garden. He gave him gave him a job, mm-hmm. right? You know, God put Adam in the garden to till the soil, right? And this was work that and that he was doing for God and this was work that he was doing with God, right? It was something that God wanted to get done, mm-hmm. the work in the garden. But all, God was also a gardener. As well, you know, God had also had already like made this earth and planted all the seeds, and you know, God was Himself uh, fertilizing that land. So, you know, Adam, when he was working in the garden, was working for God, but he was also working with God. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way certainly when I'm typing on the computer. I feel that my work is a joint endeavor. You know, I I get a lot of pleasure of um, moving words around on a page. Uh, You know, personally, I really enjoy that, but. My work would really mean um, nothing if it weren't for the base material that God had given me, right? Like the, the building blocks of language and my fingers that do the typing, you know, and obviously his source material in the Bible, which is what personally I write about, but you know, even when I was uh, in a tech company, you know, writing about uh, web <laughs> systems integration products, there was a you know there was a part of the uh, putting words together that I did enjoy. So I think God, you know, through any work, we're able to tap into God who is the source of the material and also the source of productive labor, right? Because God himself is a worker. He created the world at the beginning of the Bible and um, made us in his image. So I I feel that in you know, I certainly feel like my work is a very tiny sliver of a microcosm of the way that God created all of us, To do work. And I find that, you know, very enjoyable, me personally. It is an act of worship connecting with God through the work that I do.
0: Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned the story of Adam because the thing I really love about that story is that God gives, you know, all of these things that he has created to Adam to give Mm -hmm. names to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so beautiful. I think it's such a beautiful um, story about how we are called, you know, as you said, to work with God, that he gives us, um, invites us into the process, um, to Mm -hmm. co-labor with him. And so, um, I really love that. Um, let's jump into some practical tools that people can use to live out their faith at work. Um, what are some things that you uh, often share or you find most effective in your work that help people share their faith at work? Sure. So, I mean, the first –
1: I have some, like, practical tools for the way that you see – your work, first of all. you know. So um, the first tool that I would say is when you read the Bible, and I hope that you do read the Bible on a day-to-day basis. you know. And if you don't read the Bible on a day-to-day basis, there are a lot of tools for that, right? So if you commute to and from work, you could read the Bible. Uh, if you're like on the train, you can use the version app. You can read the Bible on your phone. There are a lot of devotional reading plans that you can use to organize your Bible reading. Um, you know, or uh, you could do a little Bible reading when you first sit down at your desk. But however you do your Bible reading, relate it to your work. I think this is the biggest hurdle that Christians face. You know, they think, oh, the Bible is a super old document that was written a long time ago and doesn't have any relationship to my work today. Um, But you actually can, if you start to see scripture through workplace eyes, you can see it in a different way. And then you can take messages that actually help you in your work. I had a conversation on the Making It Work podcast a few weeks ago with Joy Freeman. She's a marketer, um, you know, in the secular marketplace. She's worked with huge brands like Burger King and YMCA and MoneyGram. You know, she's a really high powered uh, women in the marketplace, but she told me she gets a lot of strength from her daily practice of reading scripture. So she told me this specific story where she was a consultant for a big company and she was working on this ad campaign and there was something, there was something going wrong with the ad campaign. It was striking, uh, you know, a harsh note. It was, you know, maybe a little bit demeaning to a minority group. There was some really hard feedback that she had to give to the CEO of the company about this ad campaign and she didn't know how she was going to do it. She was really afraid if she speaks up, she's going to lose her job. Right, you know, this is kind of a high stakes conversation. And in her scriptural reading, she was reading the story of Joshua and Caleb, who Moses had sent out, you know, to spy out the promised land. Um, and they come back, and they want to, you know, go in and take the promised land. And the rest of the Israelites are like, no, 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 we're too scared. We don't want to do that. So she's reading, you know, just in her, as it comes up in her daily devotionals, she's reading the story of Joshua and Caleb taking a stand against the rest of the culture, giving them a different message, and they're taking a stand at the risk of their lives. You know, these other guys are threatening to stone them, and they're saying, no, this is what we believe is right. We actually do have to, you know, in this case, go listen to God, you know, go go into the promised land. And um, she said that story, putting it in the lens of the workplace problem that she was facing, gave her the courage to go speak up. To her boss you know she actually went back to her boss and said I you know, this is not going the right way I believe these this should go differently um and in the end she didn't lose her job you know her boss turned around and said I like the way you're speaking to me now I know that you're a straight shooter <laughs> next time I need honest feedback I'm gonna go from you um so what is what is a modern day ad campaign? have to do with Joshua and Caleb advocating for entering the promised land? You know, in my mind, maybe not a lot. (laughs) But in her mind, because she was reading scripture with that lens of what does it have to do with my daily work, you know, God spoke to her in a very specific, a very immediate way through his word that she was able to take into her workplace. So that's a long way. That's a long, circuitous way of saying my number one tip is when you read the Bible, and you should read the Bible every day, relate it to your work. Find the way that the scripture is speaking to you with specific messages for your work.
0: I think that's brilliant. I think also as part of that, um, you know, like you said, we both come from. Um, uh, backgrounds where we worked outside the church, outside of ministry mm-hmm. for years, and like you said, it was separate. There was work, mm-hmm. and we checked out. Uh, you know, nine to five. It was about work, and after that was um, uh, was really about God. But I think coming, uh, reading scripture, absolutely yes, and amen. But also bringing the questions of the workday to God. In our quiet time at the beginning of the day, and saying, "God, you know, I'm I'm really worried about this meeting, or what do I do? You know, like you said about uh, about this woman in in this decision making. Do you think that's part of it too? Like, talk to me about the interactive relationship with God as it as it applies to our work. Mm. Well, this
1: is perfect because it fits into my second tip, which is check in with God. As you're working, mm. um, you know, because there's there's so much. I could get a direction in my mind from God, and then like run twenty miles ahead in the wrong direction. Right, like I got it, God. I'm taking it from here. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> you so know, true. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay, I'm gonna run at this goal. See you later. You know, see you in three years while I'm working on this plan. And that's not that's not right either. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to continually check in with God. And I, for me, I call it a prayerful pause. Mm. You know, there are a lot of moments in my workday where I have to press the pause button and check in with God. Is is what is my decision making really aligned with with you, God? Or am I running off in the direction because of my own fear or because of my own ego or, you know, because of my own hurry, you know, or laziness, whatever, whatever sin is in my heart that's directing my workday. Um And so I have to take that prayerful pause, you know, when I feel myself getting hot under the collar and say, God, what do you want me to work on next? Or how do you want me to respond to this? You know, I um, had a conversation with a man who's an engineer. He's a systems integrator at Raytheon, which is a big engineering firm. and, And he works with a lot of engineers. He's a manager of a lot of engineers, so he has, you know, the challenges that manager of a lot of engineers might have. There, they have some like communication, interpersonal communication challenges that he has that he has to work through. And so he says, um, he his spiritual practice, he says, is waiting before he sends an email. <laughs> he says, he says mm. this is actually a spiritual practice. Yeah. For me, I take a pause before I press send. You know, and I say, does this, uh, is this true? Does this accurately reflect? What I want to say in this email? Am I saying it in the kindest way? Am I saying what I mean, but I'm not saying it mean? You know, and, um, you know, what he told me is I really feel the fruits of the Spirit, you know, love and patience and kindness uh, come to the fore in my personality in that pause. You know, in the moment where I press pause before I just go, oh, I gotta send this, I'm so mad, I'm gonna send this email right now. When I press pause, I feel the fruits of the Spirit come in. And that's when I feel like I'm growing and God can direct. My work again.
0: What would you say to somebody? I think that's brilliant. What would you say to somebody who is just in a job that feels so hectic, mm. so demanding? Um, you know, it's 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 challenging just to quiet their brain enough mm. to take that pause and to hear from God. What would you say to somebody who is in that kind of environment? Yeah. Well, there are all these, you know, ancient meditative practices that have
1: come up through the church. And they're not just for monks and nuns, right? They're right, <laughs> they're right. Actually for all believers. Yeah. You know, they they're for um they're for all of us. And there's this one, you know, there are a bunch of different tuning into God practices. One that I really like, you can do just while you're breathing. And I do this myself because um, no matter how hectic your life is, you can always Breathe, <laughs> right? True. I mean, often That's we're true. often we're doing it unconsciously, you know. And there's this ancient prayer that comes from um, this old document written by a monk. It's called the Way of the Pilgrim. But anyway, he came up with this prayer, uh, and it's often known as the Jesus Prayer or the Jesus Breath Prayer. But when you breathe in, you say, "Lord Christ," and when you breathe out, you say, "Have mercy on me," right? And, and there's and you could repeat any number of phrases that connect you, you know, connect you with God. You can breathe in and say, I love you and breathe out and say, Lord Jesus, or breathe in and say, help me and breathe out and say, Lord Jesus. But um, the point is, you know, when there's a phrase that you repeat on your inhale and your exhale... Just even doing it three times can be very centering. And I think when my mind is going around in circles like a tornado, yeah, what I've lost is my reliance on Jesus, mm. right? Because I can be just as busy, but if I'm feeling like I'm relying on, with, on God in that moment, then we're doing it together. You know, we're just like this um, – it's metaphor that Jesus mentioned, you know, when he talks about being yoked or, you know, take my yoke upon you. Like when you imagine two uh, oxen who are yoked together, there's this uh, instrument of work that's on each of their shoulders and they're pulling together. And if they're pulling together, they can pull the cart. And if they're pulling in different directions, they can't go anywhere, right? Right. So um, when, my, when I'm in anxiety and I'm spinning off in a million different directions, it's because I have lost sight of my reliance on Jesus. You know, God, it's really God who gives me the power for every single breath. <laughs> you know, and since God gives me every single breath, then he really is the power behind my work. I can't do much without him. So, uh, using a meditative practice like you taking three breaths, using a breath prayer or any practice that helps you tune into God as the source of your energy and also the source of your work opportunities can help take the burden off of those stress moments. It doesn't make life any less busy. <laughs> right. You know, I still have, I have a busy job and I have three kids and I got to take a lot of time to breathe. <laughs> you know, I tell you that much. But um, so my life doesn't get any less busy <laughs> when I do one of these tuning into God practices, but it does help me bring God into uh, the work that I'm doing, you know, rather than trying to run around like a chicken with my head cut off, you know, without God in it.
0: Yeah, I think that's important because I think that in um, working at a tech startup, This, uh, I'd be curious on your thoughts on this, but I feel like there are work cultures where being, you know, sort of walking around, like with the weight of the world on your shoulders is actually seen as a positive. Oh, yeah, you're doing good. Yeah, exactly. The more
1: stressed out you are, the better you're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so... Just understanding that just because the culture around you is operating at this hectic, hair on fire kind of pace a hundred percent of the time doesn't mean that you have to participate. You get to decide how you respond to that environment, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Amen to that. You know, and it's not going to be true for
1: for some people. You might have to get out of the environment you're in. Yeah, right. You know, for, for now, often you can set boundaries. You know, we just. um we did a podcast recording with a woman who talks about setting boundaries in her work the other day on the Making It Work podcast. And you know, one of her takeaways is like, you'd be amazed, actually, how many managers are happy when people set boundaries on their work, when, you know, when it's very clear I'm going to be at work at these hours, and then when I leave work, I'm not answering my cell phone. Actually, that's um, y- you know there's a lot of more pushback uh, than we think we have. Mm-hmm. In modern workplaces, for setting boundaries, but some some workplaces you can't, you know, and you have to find a new workplace, um, or you have to ask God for a lot of help, <laughs> you know, um, and and say God, I'm in this workplace, you know, what can I do? Help me figure out what it is that I need to do um, to serve you in my work today, because some, you know, not everyone can get out of a workplace that are that's oppressive, you know, some people need it for their for their paycheck, and you know, the situations are different, but, um. But I, but I think we do have a lot of leeway to uh, set more boundaries than we think we do. And that's how we carry God's presence into our workplaces, by doing something different, right? If, if no one does anything different, then nothing's going to change.
0: Right. I think that's true. And that was going to be my question is in really hectic environments, when we choose to respond differently, isn't that in itself a form of evangelism in the workplace? Mm, it really, really is. It really is. And I, you know, um,
1: Christians talk all, all the time about being salt mm-hmm. and, uh, and um, something funny happens. Like, I don't know, like if you're cooking a soup or you're cooking is stew and you drop the salt in, all the other fat in the top will like flee away from it. I don't know if it's <laughs> it's like salt makes its own like circle yeah. around it. You know, it um and as it diffuses into the water. Anyway, um so the metaphor that I see is that, you know, what as um as salt going into a workplace, you don't just like flavor bring like your unique Christian flavor, but you actually change things right. around you. You know, when there's dysfunction. Uh, in a workplace and you go in, um, as someone who's like full of the Holy Spirit, you've prayed yourself up and you're just going to say like, I'm just going to stand up for my boundaries. And I say, and say today I'm leaving and to be home for dinner with my family. Um, you know, there's dysfunction will flee <laughs> from your immediate area, you know, as you, um, as you make that change, you know, in the same way that salt, uh, chases off, you know, I don't know, in like in ancient food preparation, salt chases off, uh, Disease and you know, things like that. It literally does kill off disease um, in food. So, there's a, a sense that when you go into your workplace to make a stand for what you believe is right, even if it's something small like going home for dinner at an appropriate time, that changes the workplace around you. And that is a, a huge form of evangelism. You know, that means a lot to the person in the cubicle next to you. If they see, oh, she's going home, you know, at 530, maybe, maybe I could go home at 530. I mean, isn't that, that's a huge blessing for your coworker. You know, that's, that for today, for a Tuesday evening, that's a bigger blessing than you inviting them to church on a Sunday to hear a good message, right? They want to go home and eat dinner with their family. And if they see you doing it, (laughs) you know, then they could do, I mean, that's, What better way uh, to be good news to the person sitting next to you than to to take kind of a hard stand,
0: um, a risky stand for what you believe is right? We'll return to my interview with Leah in just a moment. But first, here's a quick reminder that I send out free coaching emails every Wednesday with tools, tips, and advice to help you be more productive from a Christian perspective. It's easy to sign up. Just go to donsadler.com slash subscribe. And now back to my interview with Leah Archibald. I think that's right, and I think it's worth mentioning. And this probably goes without saying; we don't need to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is mm. that that you know setting those boundaries assumes that you are operating in excellence in your job. If you mm. slacked off all day and then you're like, "See ya, I'm out of <laughs> here at five o'clock," you know that's that's going to be probably a wrong ministry. But mm. um, but just that idea that we do everything we do with excellence and. Um, and just that part of it. I do also want to talk. I know you have a third point that we're going to get to, but I think especially in this topic of I'm going to, I'm going to do things different. I'm going to, um, you know, come in, I'm going to respond differently. I think that fear is such a common thing in the workplace. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go home because I fear I will be fired. I fear Mm -hmm. that, you know, what if I lost my income? And I think, I I actually think workplaces are filled with a lot of fear. There's power structures, there's politics, there's dynamics, there's deadlines, there's all kinds of things. And so what do you, do you think, A, do you think that's true? And B, how do Absolutely. Okay, good. Okay. And so- (laughs) I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah. And it's so real and it's not good or bad, it's just real. And so how do we, how do we shift- in the workplace from fear to faith? Is it that praying and checking in throughout the day? Like, what what advice would you give yeah. to somebody who feels like they're stuck in fear and, and too f- afraid to set some of the boundaries mm-hmm. you talked about? Yeah. I mean, as Christians,
1: we have the biggest weapon against fear that exists which is the security we have in Jesus's resurrection. And I'm in that sounds a little esoteric, but you know, I like to picture myself as um, you know, Mary or Elizabeth, one of the women who went to the tomb on Sunday morning. You know, and they had the biggest fear of their whole entire lives. They had given up everything to follow this guy named Jesus. They were, they were walking around um, following him, and he died. He died. Their God died. that The biggest fear that they have in their lives came true. You know, And with heavy hearts, they were walking to the tomb on Sunday morning to go anoint his body with oil. And when they got there, they found the stone rolled away and the body of Jesus was not there. The tomb was empty. And what that story says to me is that the biggest fears of our life, when we walk through them, we too will find them empty. Hmm. Wait, I love that. Say that again. Say
0: that again. That was so good.
1: (laughs) I'm going to hit you again with it. Yeah. You know, the biggest fears of our life, When we walk up to that fear, we too are going to find it empty. You know, um, the 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 thing that we're afraid of can no longer torture us with fear when we've walked through it. Hmm. You know, and um, you know, and for them that was it was the hugest deal ever, right? To walk to the tomb and um, to go try to find Jesus, and he wasn't there. He was empty. He was resurrected, right? Mm -hmm. But I have little microcosms of that. you know, of that every single day. Um, just yesterday, I'll, I'll tell you my story of, of my big fear from yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my big fear from yesterday is um, my boss was scheduling a company-wide meeting, and I didn't want to say it, it was on a day that I had already made a date with my husband to go to like a marriage thing, something mm-hmm. to improve our marriage, like a marriage counseling thing, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're dedicated to improving our marriage. So and we had already scheduled this thing in me, me and my husband. And, um, you know, my boss said, there's this important issue and I want you all to attend. We're going to have this day-long meeting. And it was at this day that I'd already scheduled the time with my husband. I just felt this sinking, this sinking in my chest, like, oh, I'm going to disappoint one of them. And then both of them are going to hate me, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, oh, if I go to this thing, I'm going to lose my job. Or if I don't ever, you know, I'm going to lose my job in a year. For everyone's going to think I'm terrible. I'm not committed. But, you know, but if I, but if I, canceling my husband. I'm not going to be standing up to my commitments. You know, it was just – I felt like there was no way I could win. I just – and I felt terrified. I felt terrified of saying anything either way. <laughs> you know, saying yeah. anything to, to one person. You know, I just – I just felt terrified. And, um, you know, and I was kind of hemming and hawing with my boss. I said, do we really, are you really sure we all have to be part of this conversation? You know, I was trying to hit it from the side, like, maybe this is just a conversation that you want to have with so-and-so. Right. And he was like, he was like, Leah, what are you really trying to say? What's really your objection to this? And I said, you know, I, I'm sorry. It's my own fear. My objection to this is that I is that I may I have other plans that I'll have to cancel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um and I'm and uh and I can do that, but but I really don't want to. And I'm I'm afraid of what you'll think of me um, if I cancel those plans. But I really don't want to be on this meeting. And he said, "Okay, the meeting's optional. Everybody, the meeting's optional." Mm. That was the whole thing, you know. And in that moment, it was like. <sighs> It was, he said, the, you know, when your boss says the meeting is optional, that's good for anyone in any circumstance, right? Yeah. But like in that moment, my boss saying the meeting's optional, it was like the heavens opened up and, the, <laughs> you know, and the sun shined through. Yeah. And I had this moment of like my biggest fear in that day, you know, which is that my coworkers are going to judge me and I'm going to lose my job. Like my biggest fear was actually empty. You know, I, I just, it, just from by virtue of walking through it. Now, I could have not walked through it. I could have been like, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll figure it out, you know, and, and have held, held that anxiety with me the rest of the day, you know. And, um, but, but actually putting myself out there, uh, walking through my fears, being honest about my own limitations has, in my limited experience, always gotten me to, uh, um, to a sunrise moment on the other side where I feel like my fears are empty.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's so beautiful and and this next question is probably a whole other podcast episode <laughs> into itself, but I do, you know, I just I feel like um there is a unique challenge for mothers who are working, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your Amen your, to that. Yeah, your job, you've got your marriage, you've got your kids and I know that some moms have shared with me, I feel like I'm failing at all of them <laughs> all at once. And Absolutely. Yeah. And so I just, uh, like I said, we could talk about this for a whole other episode, but just share with me a little bit as a mom with other moms who might be listening, who are feeling this, what, what do you do to, to balance all of that and to feel like all three areas of your life are thriving? Yeah,
1: I I totally resonate with that feeling. And I've talked to a lot of mother moms in the workplace who resonate with that feeling. Oh, I feel like I'm failing at everything. You know, and um, I think I would turn it around and say, like, our feeling that we're failing at everything is really this desire, God-given desire, to be excellent Mm -hmm. at our jobs, right? To be excellent at all the ways that we live out our calling, both at work and for our children, you know, and as a spouse. Um, But I don't believe there's such a thing as balance on a day-to-day basis, maybe on a monthly basis or a yearly basis, you know, there's, there's some kind of balance, you know, but, um, but yesterday I had a really kick butt day at work and I got a lot of projects done, but I was home an hour late for dinner, you know, and I felt guilty about that driving home. And then, uh, today I'm going to do less work and I'm going to be home early for dinner. You know, there's no, there's no, um, you know, there's no perfect, Uh, You know, the woman at the end of the book of Proverbs, the end of the book of Problems ends with this acrostic poem Mm -hmm. um, about the valiant woman who uh, sounds like she got everything done, right? She wakes up way early in the morning, prepares breakfast for everybody else and, um, you know, invests her money in a field and makes a profit and, you know, goes here and there buying all the fancy food and her children arise and call her blessed. I mean, she's unattainable, but she had help you know, she had help in her house. She had servants and, yeah. and like she wasn't doing all her cleaning. Right. And, um, so what that says to me, one is get good help. Yeah. <laughs> where get, get help, Amen. get help where it's possible, you know, help from a spouse and, you know, help from a wider community. But what it also says to me is that this history of women working in a lot of different spheres is as old as the Bible, right? It's mm-hmm. as old as the Old Testament, it's not a new phenomenon that women are being pulled in a lot of different directions and should feel guilty about that, right? It's, you know, from the history of the Bible, you know, there are not have been enough hours in the day and we need help doing our daily work. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I love to see uh my relationship with god as something that centers me in the push and pull of all my work you know so i i'm running to the workplace and doing my work there and i'm running home and being present for my children but first and foremost you know i am a child of god and god is the one who resources me with every breath i take with all my energy and if i look to that first You know, when I wake up in the morning and I say, God, please be with me in this day, give me the resources that I need for this day, Uh, then I can trust that at least that primary relationship is good, then all
0: my other relationships will come out of that. You said something that I really loved. Um, I thought was really thoughtful, the push and the pull. I think people talk about balance, which, you know, okay. And then I think in the church, we talk a lot about managing the tension, which sort of mm-hmm. sets the tone that we're always tense. And, <laughs> um, and so I don't think that's right, but I really love this idea of the push and the pull. And I really think that's mm-hmm. true. Like sometimes your family's going to pull on you a little bit more, or, you know, sometimes you've got to push a little harder at work. And, and I love that. I love that phrase because it just allows for a lot of grace, um, mm-hmm. that I think that I think is really important and, and part of it, you know, I think as, um, as women, our tendency is to nurture, so it's our inclination that we want to nurture every area that we're called to mm-hmm. called to influence. And um, so, I really love that that push and that pull. I, I like the mm-hmm. I like the space in there. You had a third point, and I completely pulled you off track. Thank you for Thank you for that. But it was also interesting. You no, know, we've uh, we've really already talked about it. We, the the points
1: emerge from our conversation. But you know, my third point was to see your work as a ministry. You know, which you, Don, mentioned very clearly, you know, the separation between what we think of as ministry, you know, for God and ministry in the workplace, you know. But I I read this great story of Pat Gelsinger, who's the CEO of this big tech company called VMware. He was wrestling with the question, should I go into full-time ministry? And he was actually wrestling with this question for a year. With God, he was going over in his head this verse from Colossians 23 to twenty four. Work heartily for the Lord, not for men. For it's the Lord Christ that you're working for. And he, at the end of this year that he was wrestling with his question, he came to the decision. Uh, you know, actually, his work in the tech space was a full time ministry. You know, he said, "I'm I'm the CEO of this company. I have twenty thousand people under me, and um, that's twenty thousand families that I get to impact for Jesus." every single day that it might not be preaching to them, but it's making sure they have work opportunities. It's making sure they have health insurance. You know, so he really changed his thinking around his job to see his work in the marketplace as a full-time ministry. Now, Don, a lot of, some of your listeners might be CEOs, but not all of them. But, you know, for, for, any of us who go into the workplace, if we change our attitude to see our workers full-time ministry, there's so many more potentials for ministering to our coworkers. You know, so if I um and one of the biggest ways um, that I think is often overlooked for ministering to our coworkers is thanking them, is thanking them for the work that they do and, and putting forward their accomplishments. So, you know, if I go into a meeting. Um, and someone's asking me, a, or someone gives me a compliment. You know, hey, Leah, thank you for this project that you did. You know, I could turn around and say, you know, Terry actually did all the research in the background for this project, and she really set us up for success here. And um, that's—it's such a ministry to be thanked and to be recognized for your work. That I think a lot of people don't uh, don't see in their day to day work. A lot of people don't get thanked in their day to day work. A lot of jobs are so thankless that if you turn around and thank someone for their work it's it, you know it can change everything about
0: their day. Yeah. I love um there was a Christian venture capitalist I interviewed a few um episodes ago and he had this quote that I love. It says the Christian CEO is the most underserved and misunderstood missionary today mm. and I would actually go so far as to say virtually anyone in the marketplace today. Yeah um because i think that churches are getting a lot better about equipping people for the workplace but i think we still have a long way to go do you think that's true or do you think do you think most churches do this well i re- i really do think so you know i think and th- I think that's
1: part of the nature of the church on Sunday. You know, they're like giving this message that um, they want to work for everybody. But, you know, something that I encourage pastors to do as they spend their eight hours preparing their sermon, you know, along as they spend their time working in, in the community, you know, take one day a month to go into the workplace of one of your congregants you know, someone in your mm-hmm. congregation who works in the marketplace, you know, take a morning, you know, or take a lunch hour and go into their workplace and see what it is that they deal with. What, ask them what kind of problems they face in their work. Ask how you can pray for them. You know, I think that would do so much for changing the attitude of pastors and churches, for them to see where it is that the people in their congregations are taking this message. On Monday, you know, because the challenges that people face in the workplace are so real, you know, and um, God has so much to speak into those challenges.
0: Yeah, I think that's so true, and I think, um, you know, I don't remember the statistics, but there's a phenomenal statistic somewhere on the interweb um, mm. about the number of people who come to church because a coworker invited them. It's mm. one of the major ways, and so just having. Um, You know, somebody, a guest on another episode, we had talked about just if a church had um, a team of intercessors that specifically prayed for people in the marketplace. Mm, Um, And just uh, simple things. I love your suggestion of going into the marketplace and asking those questions. I think that there's some really simple things. Um, You know, here, in New York, at my church, we're very fortunate that we have a business ministry, and that was a vision that our pastor had from very early on. But not every church is equipped in that way. But there are very small, simple steps that are super powerful to really begin to equip um, people in the marketplace um, because you know those are, our missionar- those are our missionaries, those are our missionaries, those are our. I could say modern day missionaries, but it's always been true whether or not it's been recognized, yeah. um, uh, that those are our missionaries. We could talk and it can feel so lonely. Yeah. It can feel so lonely in the marketplace.
1: You don't because you don't recognize where there are other Christians.
0: yeah. 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 It's so true. Um, We could talk about this all day. I love talking to you. I know we could go on and on, but our time is wrapping up. And so it's time to shift gears a little bit and talk about the final five, five questions designed to further resource our listeners. So the first one is, other than the Bible, what's one book that changed your life and why? Oh I l- love a book that I read last year it's called How to Have a Good Day by
1: Caroline Webb and um you know it's not a religious book but it's a book that boils down the latest behavioral science hmm. on how to get the most productivity out of your work and how to get the most enjoyment out of your work. And so she takes all these scientific studies of, you know, how people interact well or interact poorly in the office, you know, how uh, we either take joy in our work by delving into a task or, you know, joy is sat by being distracted. Um, It's called How to Have a Good Day. And, uh, you know, reading through it myself, I said, wow, these really – relate to scripture. I mean, she's not she's not relating it to scripture, but in my mind, I said like the biblical truths that I look at in the Bible are really true, you know, and come out through, um, you know, the whole history of behavioral science up um, into the present moment. And she, her last chapter is how to be good at email. She has an appendix that's like how to be really good and really efficient at responding to email so um, other people like you. And so it doesn't, take over your whole entire life, so um, which is a message that I need to hear personally.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: I'm ready to go out and buy the book just for that <laughs> section. <laughs> and you uh, can get it on Audible too.
0: So you can. You, if you don't have time to read it, you can listen to it while you're driving in your car. So I recommend it. Awesome. What's one podcast you're listening to now and why, other than your own, making it work? Oh, and other than this one, which I love too. <laughs> um, you know
1: – so life isn't only about work and I just started listening to my new favorite podcast with my kids and it's called Tales from the Mooseverse mm. and it's a bunch of stories about this character called Montgomery Moose who lives in the woods of Maine and all his little animal friends and the shenanigans that they get into and um And it's narrated by a very calm British man. So, you know, and it's just like we were talking about the challenges of motherhood. You know, it takes a village and sometimes you need someone else to read to your kids. (laughs) And so it's great to have this podcast, Tales of the Mooseiverse. I could put it on the speakers and uh, someone else can read to them. But no, it's really sweet for me and my kids to be able to enjoy something together. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's not just me serving them or, you know, them taking from me. And uh, so that's a that's really sweet, <laughs> this is a sweet way we've connected with each other through this podcast.
0: Yeah, that's great. What's your favorite Bible verse and why?
1: Right now, my favorite Bible verse is Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Mm-hmm. And I am really believing that for myself. You know, God is not done with me. I am a work in progress, you know, and uh, and I'm not done with my work for him, you know. I've I've barely just started it, and uh, so um, neither of us are running ahead of each other. That's that's my hope, you know. God, who began a good work in me, um, is going to keep holding my hand and dragging me through, you know, working with me to the finish line.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, what's the best business advice you ever heard, and why? I. Love this advice of um, how I frame it in my mind is learn a skill and
1: put it in your backpack. So to explain that metaphor, you know, when I was in business school, um, I was at, women were like five or ten percent of my business school right class. You know, it's really over dominated by men. But I took a class on female entrepreneurship or women in entrepreneurship, and there was a panel of speakers, a bunch of women in business who I really respected, and um, they said, "Look, you're going to experience a lot of change." in your life, both in the modern workplace, because people change jobs every three years, industries change, companies go, um, you know, bust. Um, but also because as uh, women, we're more susceptible to changes in the marketplace, we can go in and out um, of careers. So, you know, you're not going to have this one career job, steady job forever, but you are going to take your skills with you you know even if you can't you can't carry one job forever everything that you learn in your job is another skill that you can just kind of take put in your backpack and take it to the next job so i really got this image in my mind if i have a backpack of everything that i'm learning and then everything that i go through in my job that's hard you know everything that i walk through that really requires me to learn and grow it's just like a new another little skill another little book that i get to put in my backpack and take it to the next place that I go. So this this is so learn a skill and put it in your backpack is the business advice that I took from my business school professor and I also, you know, I think that's my um my metaphor for my walk with God, you know, me and him on the road
0: with a little backpack. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Everything I'm learning, I'm just going to chuck it in there and it's uh and it's going to become useful for the next thing.
0: Yeah. Um you have offered us so much great advice for um outliving our faith at work, but I'm just wondering what advice would you give to somebody who just is maybe just starting this process, just, you know, maybe they've been checking out at work from their faith and they just want that first thing to do to get started, to do this better. What would you tell them?
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Pray. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) As you know, ask God for help. Um, Oh, you know, open up the Bible, start with Genesis. God is a worker. See if you can see see your story in God's story. You know, so much um so much of our faith journey is uh, simple and hard and hard and simple. Mm-hmm. You know, um and Christians have been doing it for thousands of years, you know, turning to God and saying, "What do you have? Uh, what does the Bible mean for me today? You know what does your story mean for me? What is my place in your story?" You know, and it starts with opening up that scripture and um, asking God, you know, what does it mean for me today? It's that simple and it's that hard, you know. And if it, if it weren't hard, we weren't, wouldn't have all these stories about it. We wouldn't have all these stories about wrestling. You know, the greatest heroes of our faith have been people who wrestled. With God. You know, I think of Jacob in wrestling with the angel in Genesis 32. You know, he like, there was this story. He didn't know he was going into a hard day, man. The next day, (laughs) he was was, like, gonna go, he was gonna go face his brother. He didn't know if he was gonna get killed. You know, he was like headed into a hard day. And uh, that began with wrestling with God, you know, and um, and he came out of that wrestling with God experience and he called the space, he called the place that he was, Peniel, which means I've seen God's face to face, right? So like the face to face encounter with God is present in the wrestling. I tell that long extended story to say that if you're new in your faith or if you're wrestling with your faith, that's really, that's not a place excluded from God. That's a place where God is, right? Mm-hmm. That's a place where God
0: shows up face to face in the wrestling. I think that's a good place to be. I love that. I love that. Um, Do you mind taking just a moment and praying over our listeners before we wrap up? Oh, I love doing that. Let's do that.
1: Oh, God. God, thank you for seeing and loving each person um, who's listening to the podcast right now. God, thank you. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, You know, God – Thank you for seeing each person where they are in their work. God, thank you for seeing the real-life struggles that they face today. Thank you for being present in their joys of the work. Thank you for creating the work that they're doing today uh, to be a connection with you, Lord God. God, I pray that you, with your very spirit, would resource and power each person Listening to this podcast. God, I pray that your spirit would go with them as they go into their place of work. I pray that your spirit would shine through them as they talk to their coworkers. I pray that your spirit would be with them as they do their work um, in excellence. And I pray that you would bless the work of their hands. Le- yes, Lord, bless the work of their hands so that their businesses would prosper, so their personal careers would would prosper, and that so their relationship with you would grow ever deeper and ever fonder and ever more joyous. We
0: ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Leah, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, thank you so much, Don. It's been a pleasure. I'd like to thank my guest, Leah Archibald, for joining me today. Here's a quick reminder that you can access the show notes for today's episode, including where to find Leah online at dawnsadler.com slash 040. The Your Purpose is Calling podcast is brought to you by The Peak Page, our free daily planning tool. Download your copy at dawnsadler.com slash peak. This has been the Your Purpose is Calling podcast. To hear more conversations with Christians who are finding purpose redefining work, and changing their world, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a review. This helps us build a community of people just like you who are committed to pursuing God's unique calling for their life. I'm your host, Don Sadler, the Christian Productivity Coach. Thanks for listening.